Some call me Steve, Dad, Husband or Friend. Others might call me Boss, Coach or Mentor. Today you can call me the Leadership Hacker. Thanks for listening in, I really appreciate it. My job as the Leadership Hacker is to hack into the minds, experiences, habits and learning of great leaders, C-suite executives, authors and development experts so that I can assist you developing your understanding and awareness of leadership. I'm Steve Rush and I'm your host today. I'm the author of Leadership Cake, I'm a transformation consultant and leadership coach and can't wait to start sharing all things leadership with you. Our special guest on today's show is Tav Pierce. He's a business turnaround leader and author of the book Upsurge, Wreckage to Triumph, Rebuilding Your Personal and Business Life. He's also the CEO of Caliber Security Partners and the CEO of Refiners.io. Before we get a chance to speak with Tab, it's the Leadership Hacker News. What does funny AI mean for leaders' people skills? AI is getting better at making people laugh, according to a team of academics putting robots on track to secure a key leadership attribute. So in the news today, we explore how leaders should react. It's long been assumed that artificial intelligence has lagged when it comes to soft skills, but that's facing a challenge now from emerging generation of human-centric robots, according to startling article from a team of academics. Published at the European Business Review, The piece provides leaders with a wake-up call, chipping away at the notion that AI still has a way to go before it can successfully adapt some of the human emotional reflexes that underpin interpersonal relationships and leadership. The research led by Dr. Jamie Glaw. The research was led by Dr. Jamie Glaw, who's a senior lecturer in management at the University of Exeter Business School. The academic highlights several AI robots that have pushed the frontiers of what was thought impossible to be possible and raised them laughs along the way, such as Humanoid robot Sophia, who's cracked jokes on US late night TV. Robot stand-up comic called Data, who responds intuitively to audience feedback. A German-made irony bot that has been programmed to dish out sarcasm. And a growing assortment of programs cooked up in the research labs that have been designed to serve up amusing acronyms and song parodies and puns. This suggests that AI-powered machines can indeed adapt and develop a sense of meaning, sensitivity and context that's necessary for skills like humour. With all this in mind, they point out that humour can be thought of as an extreme demonstration of whether robots have the social-emotional skills necessary for leadership. If robots can master humour, this suggests that they could be positioned to step into more human-like roles that require exemplary soft skills like leadership. So for us flesh and blood leaders, what should we take away from this new research? The first thing I'd encourage us all to think about is new innovation and insights. We should be paying attention to this stuff because we never know where it's going to lead. Secondly, we should embrace it and help understand where AI can really help businesses. And indeed, some of us might already think that our bosses might have less humour than some of the new bots that are presenting themselves. Well, there's an opportunity for feedback there too. So that's been the Leadership Hacker News. If you have any interesting stories, insights or information, please get in touch with us. Our special guest on today's show is Tab Pierce. He's the CEO of Calibre Security Partners. He's also the founder and CEO of Refiners and author of Upsurge. Tab, welcome to the Leadership Hacker podcast. Thank you. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Me too. 
I'm delighted you're here. And you're all the way in Seattle today. Is it raining? Folk are going to want to know. Well, the truth is, is it was raining too much in Seattle. So my wife and I hopped on a plane and went to Phoenix, Arizona. It's going to be about 88 <sighs> to 90 today. So we're not, uh, we're not suffering too bad. Awesome. That's really good news. I want to kick off by really getting to understand the man behind the book and the businesses. Tell us a little bit about your backstory, Tab, of how you've arrived to run two firms, two businesses, and put your pen to paper. Well, I always wonder, where do I start? You know, the, you know I was born in Seattle. No, that takes too long. So, you know, I think about, it was, it was 2010 when I founded Caliber Security Partners. And I started the company because I'd been doing, I'd been in cybersecurity for many years, since, since 1998. And I had helped a couple of companies, you know, reach a point of being acquired. And I was faced with time to go get another job. And I kind of went, you know, I'm, I'm going to rinse and repeat and do this again. And I'm going to end up where I'm at now. I'm going to end up there later. And so, um, it, you know, it was time for me to decide, you know, I want to start my own company. And and so that was kind of the start of that. It wasn't my first company I started, but it was it was the kind of the first real dive in and full on company, I, I would say. And um, you know, things went really, really well there. And for the first, I don't know, call it uh four or five years, uh revenue was great, things were great, bottom fell out of it, things went south really bad. And um you know, it was, it was in the middle of that that I started writing the book Upsurge. And, you know, since then, you know, the, the, the end of the story, well, not, not the end of the story, but the story where we're at now is things are successful. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, started another company called Refiner. So that's kind of the backstory in a cliff note version. If you can give our listeners a bit of a sense of, you know, the kind of work that you do in the world of cybersecurity and so on and so forth, and then how that differs from the work you do with refiners, because they're very different business models, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Very, very different. So security, you know, people will say, how did you get into security? And I'm like, well, you know, like a, like a lot of things, you know, you stumble into it. You don't, you know, I didn't sit on, I'm going to be cybersecurity before it was even called cybersecurity. Um. But what what we do, and my niche within that market is is the services side. So you know, large companies, you know, Fortune 500 companies, emerging technology businesses, and probably everybody in between. But business to business, you know, they'll turn to us to to do things like testing of systems or applications or websites, and basically um, act as an ethical hacker to find out what vulnerabilities they have so we do a lot of that we do a lot of you know the the compliance the risk the privacy side of things as well helping helping organizations become ready for for that which you know as you mentioned is a lot different than refiners refiners is a community of entrepreneurs small business owners and individuals that you know kind of want to gravitate towards that and it's we're still in the fledgling building stage, but but the idea of that is peers helping peers grow as well as mentors that are there to guide them in, spe- in the mentor's specific domain knowledge. So that's actually kind of it's it's interesting because you know what I've learned over time doing two things is that I really like security. But I love what I'm doing at Refiners. I love bringing people together. 
I love helping people out. And so it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a different, uh, just two different flavors of being an entrepreneur. And what was the defining moment for you that said, refiners is where I want to take my entrepreneurship in that direction? What was the kind of key thing that said, this is what I want to do next? Well, I guess the, the first thing is, is I, w- I want to do them both. And I, I want to, I, I, you know, I'll say I want to do it all, but that, that's a little too broad. But probably the, the key thing that started me in the, di- the direction of refiners was all the trouble that we had at Caliber and just having to go through the hell that we went through. and just you know one day talking to somebody and yeah i i I was always very open uh and transparent um with what was going on inside the company partly because it it, i knew that it would help me manage that manage things but but also i i i really felt that it it might help somebody else and i think what really kind of drove me to like wow this that that felt good i i like doing that was sitting down for lunch one day and uh, somebody had introduced me to another small business owner and and you know i said how's business and he went through oh it's great it's this it's this it's this and he goes how about for you and i said you know we've been going through hell for years and you know i think we got about another year and i kind of you know i said i won't go too deep into it but you know it's, it's rough but we're doing it and he did a 180 and went can I be honest with you? Those things aren't great for me either. Because <laughs> I say that because I have to put forward that. I said, totally get it. Totally understand that. And we had just an open and frank discussion for the rest of the um, you know, time we were together. And I kind of left feeling really good about that. And I, that kind of started the slow pivot into, right. you know, I want to be able to, you know, ideally help people you know, avoid what I went through altogether. And if they are experienced in it, get through it quicker and better than I did. That's a really great cause. And I think for those leaders that are listening to this today, Tab, who are maybe also in that space of wanting to promote a public face of great strength and awesomeness, but deep down when you peel the layers back, it's a really tough and a difficult period for them. It's almost really important to kind of let the demons out because in doing so you can deal with the real issues rather than the band-aid that sometimes covers them right mm-hmm. what's really interesting is you know we always think of you know and i used to always tell people and i, I talk about this in the book about how you know people would say man it's really great that you know you just went to battle and you covered it and you did it and you you know you succeeded and i, I and i said you know i was a i felt like a warrior dragging his sword to battle early on. I didn't have the strength to pick it up. And so often we have this mental image of this warrior with this just amazing, you know, armor on and it's, you know, it's just perfect and everything else. We never have the image of of the warrior coming back after the fight, just alive and, you know, stumbling, but, you know, going back to clean up, rest up, and go at it again another day. We, you know, that's the, that's a warrior. A warrior is somebody who fights hard, takes their knock, and then comes back to beat up, only to, only to get ready and go do it again. Right. And the book Upsurge, when we first met, it struck me, you spoke with such a lot of candor, is almost a playbook for others now to learn from the lessons that you went through to end up being triumphant at one stage, but feeling at one stage it was kind of almost game over. Would love to get into understanding a little bit about the inspiration for that and what was it that put the energy behind the pen to start putting things down? 
Yeah, I, I've never considered myself uh, somebody that journals. When I was going through, early on, I was going through, when, when I when I first found out just the depth of trouble we were in at Calibre, you know, and I thought, you know, $750,000 in debt, 18 different individuals, government agencies, companies, excuse me, we were, we were deep in debt. And I was, I was emotionally in debt, like probably way worse than that. I mean, I was depressed. I was, I was going, you know, I felt like a fraud. I, you know, I let my family down. I can't believe I'm here. So stupid. I'm dumb. I'm, you know, what whatever gave me the thought to think I could actually run a business like that, you know, I mean, all of those things. And I sat in a chair, this lazy boy chair with the TV set on. My wife next to me, this is like at the end of the day at, after work, and I would just stare at the TV set. I don't even watch TV, so I wasn't I wasn't watching it. I just was like trying to drown out the noise in my head. She would talk to me, but I didn't hear her. We didn't really. I mean, we'd sit next to each other, wouldn't talk that was horrible and um you know all these crazy thoughts running through my head and then one day i think this went on for a couple of weeks one day um had a good i don't know if it was a good i can't remember if it was a good hour or if it was a good day but i just kind of i felt like i was in the eye of the storm and i took out um uh, i always say i took out pen and paper i took out uh, you know my laptop and, and kind of penned a letter to myself and you know i called it you know you know happy to or, or no i called it the, the poor wayfaring man of grief or something like that and it's funny because i read it i've read it since then and i you know it's in the book i wrote i put the letter in the book and i just went oh my gosh how freaking melodramatic was was i i mean it was just it's it, i almost didn't put it in the book because i was like that it, it just it kind of hurts the um the person I am now to just to, to read that because I'm like, oh, so melodramatic. It was so real. I mean, it was a plea. It was a beg for me to just try to get back to some normal. But it was real for you then, right? Actually, I don't talk about this anywhere, but later on, I, I felt the same way and I did a video for myself. And it was like, I was just like in a great mood. I was on fire. Things were going really well and i knew they weren't going to stay that way but i did that and, and you know for the guy that wasn't going to be happy wasn't going to be in the good mood so he could go back and watch that later and just kind of like oh yeah hey man that's you that's you man you can you know you, you can get back to that. that that's that's the real you and i did i had you know i mean i haven't watched it for a long time but i did for, for quite a bit but but that writing that kind of started me writing a little bit more and I wrote that you know the first you know chapter on thought and when I was done I I, I said chapter one and I because I just thought it was funny it's like I think I just wrote a chapter in a book because I didn't I hadn't planned on writing a, a chapter then I wrote uh, the chapter called burn baby burn which is like really to like try to motivate me to like like build this energy and you know this fire and this you know and just try to share it and all of this stuff and and it's, it's interesting because people i've had people read it now and they're like hey you don't think that's a little arrogant like you got to understand where i was when i wrote that i mean i you know i mean it's, it's like asking somebody you know do, do you think you overvalue air 
when they've gone down under the water for the second time and they're about ready to go down on the third. You think you overvalue air? No, not at that point in time. I should pretty damn important. And so I wrote that second chapter and I called it chapter two and I went, huh, I think I'm writing a book. And then that's what started the book right there. And so the start of the book is me in the middle of that. And then as the book gradually goes on, it's me coming yeah. out of everything. And then at the end of the book, it's, you know, me out of all of that. So, you know, it, was, it kind of is a playbook, but I didn't, I didn't set out to write it as a playbook. It just happened. I remember when we spoke last, you were almost telling me that it was a way of you going through some almost personal reflections, some self-leadership in order for you to move forward. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it is. And, you know, there, there were a lot of times that, you know, like, like take that chapter, you know, that I called Burn Baby Burn. I mean, what I was writing wasn't necessarily what I was feeling. It's what I know I needed to feel, what I wanted to feel, and what I was trying to direct myself to feel. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of it was just trying to guide myself and build that up as, you know, as I went through it. I didn't sit there and go, you know, I'm going to go through this. And by chapter 26, I'm going to be better. You know, I, you know what I mean? I mean, I didn't, I didn't have that clarity when I started writing that book. Sure. It was, you know, it was just a step by step. I mean, after a while, I was like turned into more of a, of a reality that I was going through a, a journey and that I was, I was mapping it. But early on, that was the case. What struck a chord with me as you start to think about the evolution of not only you writing the book, but you going through that from that place of debt and despair to being successful once more is that you know, this is a real story of a real leadership experience, one that you can't take from text. It can only come from experience, right? Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into a couple of those chapters, Tap, because yeah. there are some real things in there that struck a chord to me that I know our listeners would love to hear from you, but it will also help kind of understand some of that journey that you went on. The one chapter in particular that, that kind of struck a chord with me was this whole principle of learning to ask yourself great questions. Yeah. How did you work out that you weren't and what did you work out were the great questions? You kind of realize that you that maybe you didn't ask yourself great questions after the fact, right? I mean, rarely do we sit there and go, wait a second, that that wasn't the level of question I need to ask. That's where we should go. That's where we need to go. But what what really got me realizing that I needed to do a better job of it was, you you know, there were some things that if we would have stopped as a leadership team and said, we don't have to make a decision right now. So if we don't have to make a decision right now, you know, what can we do to prepare ourselves to, you know, to make the right decisions? And that would have been our best question, right, is to ask ourselves, what do we need to do to, to prepare ourselves? And, and to allow ourselves to have that time. Instead, what we did is we said, you know, we've got this, we've got this, we've got this. And let's go take out this loan. And it was a bad loan. And, you know, it, it made things worse. Because what we would have done is we would have looked and said, if we take out this loan, what actually gets paid? What actually gets done? As opposed to, if we take out this loan... Then we won't feel that, you know, because we didn't say this, but, but basically it was, if we take out this loan, we won't feel the way that we feel right now. And it'll buy us time. Right. It, it, which it did. It bought us time. But what it bought was time that we were going to ultimately reach 
a worse place than we would have been if we would have made the hard decisions early on. So, you know, there were things like, you know, we should have been asking ourselves in that situation might have been, you know, what, what are the real issues that we're facing right now? And, you know, maybe what is it we really need? You know, things like that. And, and if, you know, maybe saying, what happens if we choose to take out a loan? What's the good? What's the bad? What's the consequences of taking out that loan? What's the consequences of doing all of these things? And so trying, I, I spend a lot of time trying to analyze how I'm going to ask myself the best possible questions. You know, I always think, you know, if I can ask myself good questions, I can get great results. So I, I always look and I'm, I think, you know, is where I'm at right now, you know, am I looking for something that's strategic or tactical? What, you know, what is it I want to accomplish? Am, am I looking at, you know, what's the end game? And then I'm, you know, I always look at like, you know, kind of a five point process. And that's like, what am I specifically facing? If what I do, is it going to push me to a logical needs? What, you know, that's my goal is it's got to be able to fo help me focus on the basics and things that are logical. Um, and I have to always open my mind to all of the possibilities, right? That That's the key one, because we often we look and say, if I, you know, you know, back to my swimming analogy, you know, I mean, it's, you know, if you're drowning, maybe it's hard to do this. But, you know, if you look up and you're like, I'm going to grab that log. A better question might be, if I grab that log, am I going to find out that it's the tail of an alligator? That's a good analogy. I mean, that's hard to do. It's hard to do when you're, when you're, you know, when you're drowning. But in a case like this, those are the things that we could have done. What could go right? What could go wrong if we make that decision? And ideally, it create, you know, for us, it's or for me, it always creates more questions. It's going to lead to ideally greater answers. And then I always usually will end. With the is this is what I decided to do is is it the best possible outcome and that may seem like a lot to go through and you don't have to go each one of them but if you can train your brain to prepare to ask like what's a better question you know what you know what's a better question that I could be asking that's more helpful to me today from where I'm at now than any you know than any other question so. Um, you know, and it would have saved us, you know, just to give you an, an example of like, uh, um, of what really happened for us, you know, everything came out when it all flushed out. Like I said, we were $750,000 in debt. We probably would have been in a lot less debt. We would have had, it would have been more painful for us if, if we hadn't taken out the loan, but it would have probably been we would have been through it in about six months instead of almost three and a half years so you know that's the question you know i mean you know in hindsight you know we would want it to be easier at the front and harder in the, you know for three and a half years or do we want to bite that bullet of just sucking for eight months and having a bunch of people really mad at us and then be done with it you know, I mean, I know my, I know what I would, I would say now, but at the time, you know, I was more focused on, you know, finding a band aid to stop the bleeding. Right, and I guess what you've just described is self coaching. It's kind of the voice in our head that that we talk to all the time, but it's it's easy to say, but like you've also described, it's much more tougher to do because it takes discipline to coach yourself, doesn't it? And, and there's one thing that we that we always have to remember when you're in a rough situation, you're emotional and you're like, I got to figure this out. 
And the truth is, you don't have to figure it out today. Maybe you don't have to figure. I mean, you know, you know. Maybe that's the first question: is what happens if I don't make a decision today? What happens if I don't make a decision tomorrow? What happens if I don't make a decision this week? And because then it gives you time to really sit back and dive into those good questions. Now you've got a chapter in a book called Reinventing Yourself After Failure. How do you go about doing that when things are tough? And how do you go about reinvention at a time where perhaps you're cognitively not in the most effective place? It'd be really easy to say, just do this, this, and this. Kind of interesting you bring this up because I, I recently gave a seminar or I had a speaking engagement. One of the, one of the people came up to me afterwards and said, "Hey, I'm I'm doing I'm going through exactly what you're going through right now." And so we've been talking about it. So I'm I'm living through this reinventing yourself. And you know, I I asked him this question. I said, "What what did you what did you see for yourself when this all?" Started to go south because and because this guy he's like really I mean his shoulders are rolled in, heads tilted, eyes are droopy, and I'm like, dude, I've been there, man. Your head is too dang heavy to hold up normally. I mean, it's a weird feeling to think my head's too heavy. And but I, I looked at this guy, and I was like, you, you know, you're in a bad spot. So what did you think of what 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 were you gonna do? What what was your vision? What, and he's like, ah, you know, and he, all of a sudden he sets up and he's like, I was going to do, you know, he starts getting hand gestures. I was going to do this and I was going to do this and this and this, and all these things. And I, and he's like, you know, he starts going over this and he goes, but, and as soon as he said, but, his head tilts, shoulders roll in and I said, stop. I don't want to hear anything else you have to say. I said, that dude, man, that's the first time I've seen this, you excited about anything is when you start talking about what your vision was. They said, is that still your vision? He goes, yeah, it is. I'm just in a, I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want to hear all the just. I said, is it still your vision? Said, yeah, that's what we're going to work on. And, and and the thing is, is that, you know, if, if we can see the picture of where we want to be and we can hold on to that and we can live on that and we can build on that, you know, we can start to get a lot of the energy and we start to believe it. But we have to be okay with having hardship. We have to say this thing is hard, right? And and it's painful, and I don't want to do it. And you know what? What we have to do is we have to train ourselves that we're going to outlast everything. That no matter what comes our way, we're going to outlast it. And that means that if you know if we're talking about you know looking at our you know for us we looked at the business and said. You know, even though people were telling us, you know, file bankruptcy and start over, I was like, I can, we can fix this. This is still a good company. We just have to be smart, patient, resilient, and move forward. And whether or not you look at your business and say, there's something still here, I just need to reset and settle in and be resilient and move forward. Or you look at it and say, you know what? I know I can do something and I know I'm strong and I know I can, you know, I know I can build something, but this thing isn't it because it's not, you know, it's not sustainable. It's not profitable. It's not whatever. And, you know, we, we have to be okay to move towards risk. 
it, it always amazes me that when I look back at where I was or where we were as a company, it's like I was okay with taking risks when I thought things were good. But as soon as things went like bad, I stopped, we stopped taking risks. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that's when we should have been more willing to take risks. Right. Because at that point in time, I mean, at our lowest low, I, I mean, anybody who reads the book, I mean, I'm not taking money out of the company. I put everything I've had financially into that company. I'm driving Uber to try to live, to make it, you know, to, to pay everybody, to pay people off, to sustain this business, to make it go. I mean, dude, I was at the bottom, right? And that's, and I felt like I couldn't take a risk. The truth is, is what did I have to lose? But was I going to lose my business? Man, that thing was pretty much already gone. I was rebuilding it. And we don't think like that. We don't think like, okay, I managed to find the bottom. What am I risking? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we still have to be, we still have to be smart. But, you know, we just have to, you know, be okay with moving towards risk. And, you know, we, we just have to, you know, we, if we're going to restart and, and just say, you know, either either rebuilding a business or starting a new business, you know, go back to asking yourself good questions. What is it I really want to do? And I'm not a big fan of do what you love and the money will follow. I've never been a big fan of that because not everything we love to do is we're going to be profitable with it. I'm, I'm not saying do it anything, but I'm saying, you know, look for things that can work. It can be profitable. You can build it. You can sustain it. And don't expect your life to be an overnight fix. You know, when, when we went through this, and, and this is something I finally, like, learned. Like, no matter what I do, I, I can sit there and say, here's my business plan, or here's my plan to get out of debt, and I'm going to be really conservative, or maybe I'm going to be really, whatever it is, I'm going to be really conservative. I'm going to try to manage that. It's almost always going to take me three times longer than I think it's going to take. It just, it just does. And I mean, you know, as I said that, I'm thinking refiners and what we're looking at doing, you know, we're, have, we're going to be holding an online conference in February. And I'm like, things are going to probably take longer than I think they're going to take. Just that's the way life is for me. So we got to be okay that things are not going to happen overnight. Things aren't going to get fixed overnight and that we need to be consistent and we need to be resilient. And at the same time, we really need to learn to try to enjoy the journey. And I didn't start enjoying the journey until we were way into it. And I finally started to realize, you know what? We're going to do this. Once I, once I let that thought into my head that I think we're going to do it, that was the game changers that I really started to believe it. And it's getting used to being okay with not being okay until it is. Exactly. And, you know, and, yeah. and just realizing that one thing that we, we're not good at as humans is realizing the prize at the end of it. You know, the prize at the end of it is that, that we're a different person and we're much better and we're much stronger, which can lead to a host of other phenomenal things. But we don't see that. We just see the pain and the anguish and the, then we beat, beat ourselves up. We don't look at it and go, you know, when I'm done with this, I'm going to stand on top of that mountain and it's going to be glorious. And this is going to be the win. These, these are the things I'm going to experience. 
we don't allow that us, right. ourselves to do that. There's one thing that you finish off the book with, which is when I read it, it was kind of, I struggled with the concept and I'd love for you to explore it. And it's this whole principle of becoming a healthy narcissist. Tell me a little bit about that. You know, it's, it's interesting because out of everything that I wrote, that is the one I get the most, like, I, I don't, I don't want to say like flack, like I, I do get a little bit, you know, I've had, I've had people come to me and say, I live with a narcissist and uh, you know, there's no such thing as a healthy narcissist. I mean, there, there's only one out of every 35,000 people on the planet. That's a narcissist, but everybody knows a narcissist. So I, I think one is it would help us to really know what that is. But I get that people don't like the term, but I, I didn't coin the term healthy narcissist. I'm, I'm not that clever. But the idea was, is as I was going through this, I, I felt horrible about myself. I didn't like who I was. I was verbally abusive to myself. I mean, if, you know, if, if it was a marriage and I would have been, you know, that abusive to my wife, she would have left me. I mean, I was, I just was not a good person to myself. I mean, I, I constantly, you know, the, 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 the words I chose to say to myself were bad. Once I stopped doing that, once I started to be gentle, be nice, be kind, be forgiving of myself, once I started to do that and I started to become healthy, I started, I started to become a better person. By the time we came out of this, and it was June 18th, um, 2019, just last year, that we paid our last debt. And it was just like this phenomenal feeling of like, wow, we did it. We, we, we actually did it. And all the way up to the end, it was a battle. We were paying huge amounts of money and it was, it was a struggle like, like nothing, but, but we, we handled it. And then, you know, as I came out of it and I started thinking about it, I was like, man, that was pretty awesome. I did a great thing. I did a phenomenal thing. I'm much better at these things than I thought I was. And I started to become really healthy in, in how I viewed myself. As an example, I, I can't think of anything that can come my way that I'm not going to be able to handle because I handled the worst possible thing I've experienced in 56 years. And it was, it was brutal. So I think, you know, I can handle anything. So that's the narcissist side of it. It's like I really am like feel good about who I am. The healthy part of it is along the way, you know, I want to help everybody. You know, I think everybody should feel the way that I feel. I think everybody should feel phenomenal about their life. And the, the, the healthy narcissist side of somebody is, you know, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to help somebody help themselves. I mean, that's the key, right? They got to help themselves. Yeah. But that's what the healthy side of it is. It's like you, you look back and you're like, I feel great about who I am. I feel phenomenal about who I am. And I want everybody to feel this way. Sometimes, you know, I've, I, I've had people like read that. And they're like, I, I don't like that. Like, Did you read the chapter yet? No. I'm like, well, go read the chapter and then come back and tell me, you know, you know, then, then they usually come back and say, I think you should have titled it something else. Okay. I'll give, I'll give you that. But what about the content? They're like, oh, I agree with that. I'm like, awesome. Because that's, you know, it's really, how do we go about helping each other? Because that's, that's, you know, that's really the key of life. Right. Right. And that's why, you know, when I look at refiners, 
and you know, refiners isn't going to, it's not a not, not for profit. You know, we're, we're, we're a business, but our goal is to help people, you know, help themselves, help, uh, give them a place to help other people and to grow and to be part of a big community and all of that. And it's, it's all of its bonds because, you know, you know, if I would have had that, if I would have had deeper mem- mentors, if I would have had people that were there for me along the way, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have experienced a lot of the things I experienced. One of the things there's, there's a gentleman that I've gotten to know, um, afterwards. Uh, he's talking, I was telling him the story he goes, man, I wish I would have known you when you were going through this because I could have helped you do this, this, and this, and it would have eased your burden. And I went, wait, what? That, 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 that was actually a possibility. I said, I had no idea. And so that's why, you know, that's why refiners came about really is because I'm like, we got to bring good people together and give them, you know, good member or good mentors in specific domains. So people can, you know, solve these problems as best they can before they become real big problems. And that's why you're on this show, to be fair, Tab, is that kind of how do we get that learning that you've got? And we can share that with our wider audience. So if they're bumping into the same challenges, the same issues, uh, they can learn from you. And of course, this leads me to the next part of our show where I get to tap into your leadership mind. First place I'd like to go would be to explore your top three leadership hacks. One of the first ones is be grateful. Gratitude has just this uh, amazing way of making yourself more aware of what's going on and and you know it, it my my wife and I would always like we play this gratitude game like we'll, we'll ask each other hey what's your frequency and we go out this this 1 to 12 to 10 okay good you know it's an 8 oh no why is it an 8 okay well what are you grateful for and it's this gratitude gratitude just really kind of helps you stay set the stage you know that that you're good, right? And, and that, that you're okay and that you've got a lot to be thankful for. You know, another thing is, is that, you know, meditate, you know, meditate daily. I, I used to be horrible at it. I used to, oh, you know, in the book, I talk about how I'd meditate for 10 minutes and the first like seven of it was, was like putting a toddler to bed that wasn't tired. I've gotten better at it over time, but meditation really helps. The, the other thing is, you know, is read. Study, learn, be, you know, start to improve the way you think. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I'm in the process, you know, but a book I would recommend to anybody that's out there is, and you probably, probably have heard about it. It's a very popular book. It's called Psycho-Cybernetics by Matthew Mole. And he, he wrote it, I think, in 1960. But the book talks about how you think about yourself, the vision that you have for yourself, thinking upon the things that you want to be. That that's probably those are kind of the quick three ones. All of it really comes down to your mindset, keeping your mind straight. Awesome, yeah. And learning, which is that kind of last bit, is underpins, doesn't it? You've got continuous learning of ourselves means that we're continually evolving our thinking and our behaviors as well. Next part of the show we want to get to tab is what we call hack to attack. So this is pretty straightforward, and I think for, for you, you may have already covered this, but there could be something else. This is time where something has gone particularly not well for you, maybe that we've screwed up. But as a result, directly of that, we have used that in our life and our work as a positive. Now, what you've just described almost is that kind of whole hack to attack journey. But is there anything else that comes to mind? 
there's a couple of things that I would tell people, especially if they're in a, in a situation where they're feeling down and they feel like they've let people down or that, you know, like, like for us, it was this massive amount of debt, you know, it's to, to realize that in our life, there are, there is the lead actor and that's ourself. You know, we're, you know, we're always going to be the lead actor. Then we're going to have supporting actors, which is a spouse, a significant other, children, parents. They're the supporting actors in your life. And then there's all these bit actors, those people that are only going to be in a, in a scene of your life for a short period of time. And that you just want to give the bit actors enough time out of your life. You don't want to give them too much. You just want to give them what, what you need to satisfy what they need and, and to, to try to make it a good experience for both of you. And as an example, you know, we, we had this hard money lender and the guy was freaking ruthless, just brutal. And, you know, I gave him all this emotional energy, all this just thought. And I mean, I was constantly thinking, here comes the date, here comes this, how's he going to, He's going to uppercase me to death again. He's and he's going to do this and that. And then, when we wrote our, you know, when we we paid the last one, he went away. You know, not surprisingly, he got his money. And guess what? That was the last one we paid. You know, June eighteenth of twenty nineteen. Right. I haven't heard from him since. Yeah. Pretty sure I'll never hear from him again. So the hack to attack is, don't give people any more of your energy then you need to give to it to solve whatever that issue is. But don't overdo it. That's really neat. And the last bit we want to do is take you on a bit of time travel now. So you get to bump into Tab at 21, and you get a chance to give them some advice. What would your advice be? So can I, can I change that question just a little bit? Yeah, go for it. How would you like to change it? This goes to you know, how I like to consider, like how, do, how, do, how can I really benefit myself today, right? Because what it, telling the twenty-one-year-old tab, you know what I want, what I how I would change it is, if the seventy-six-year-old tab showed up today to talk to the fifty-six-year-old tab, who I am, what would he say to you? Because now I'm like, oh, I could use that because I'm fifty-six. I like that. What that person would say to me is, don't break, don't tap the brake. Keep your foot on the accelerator. Yeah, you're 56. You've got a lot of life to live. You're just now starting to understand the things that you need to do to be a success. Don't let up. Don't think about retirement. Don't think about, are you too old? Don't think of it that it's a young man's game because now I'm 76 years old and it's still not a young man's game. So, be prepared to continue going forward. Don't let up. Stay in your lane. Focus on the things that you need to do and do those. So that's what the 76-year-old would tell the 56-year-old. A great reframe. Love it. So as we've been chatting, Tab, people have been listening to your story, been thinking about their own journeys that they're taking. If they wanted to get hold of a copy of your book and indeed learn a little bit more about what you're doing with both of the firms you work with, so Caliber Security and indeed Refiners, where's the best place we can send them when we're done? If they, if they want to get the book, there, there's a few things. One, they can email me at tab at refiners.io and um, I'll give them a free PDF version of the book. 
if they would prefer to have it as a Kindle or a hard copy book, they can get that on Amazon. If they want to listen to the Audible version, Audible. That's, I guess, pretty simple. But if they want to, you know, if they want to check out, you know, more of what I do on a, on a personal side, just, you know, they can go to tabpierce.com, learn more about refiners at refiners.io and caliber security partners at calibersecurity.com. Awesome. We'll put those links in the show notes as well, Tab, so people have them on on hand. So from my perspective, I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, You've been a real inspiration to listen to that whole kind of journey. And I know that you're coming out the other end now. And what I love particularly is that you're seeing this as as an opportunity to start again. And I particularly love that reframe of what would the 76 tab say to you? And that tells me that you know there's loads more to come from you. So I look forward to reconnecting with you and working with you in the future too. And on behalf of our listeners, Tab, thank you for joining the Leadership Hacker podcast. Hey, thank you. This was phenomenal. I loved it. Awesome. Thanks, Tab. I genuinely want to say a heartfelt thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in too. We do this in the service of helping others and spreading the word of leadership. Without you listening in, there would be no show. So please subscribe now if you haven't done so already. Share this podcast with your communities and network and help us develop a community and a tribe of leadership hackers. And finally, if you'd like me to work with your senior team, your leadership community, keynote an event, or you would like to sponsor an episode, please connect with us via our social media. And you can do that by following and liking our pages on Twitter and Facebook. Our handle there is at Leadership Hacker. Instagram, you can find us there at the underscore leadership underscore hacker. And at YouTube, we're just Leadership Hacker. So that's me signing off. I'm Steve Rush, and I've been the Leadership Hacker.